you for joining us for the Help for Wounded Spirits broadcast. We exist to help those wounded and suffering through life's trials. Here is our host and best-selling author, Doug Carriger. Great to be back with you. We certainly hope this finds you well and in the arms of our Savior. Jesus Christ, he alone is worthy. He alone is the one who was crucified for our sins. He alone is the ones who went through these things. With me, three feet away, Kevin. Good morning, Kevin. Good morning, sir, from a beautiful, sunny Greenville, South Carolina. I got a question for you. Why did the sponge go to church? Why did, um, uh, because he, he, it was a holy place for a whole, because it was holy, man. Look at that. He nailed that. I'm telling you what, I mean, that was just quick. It was straightforward. We continue to look at a crucifixion of our Lord and savior, Jesus Christ. And, and I I gotta tell you something, friends, this is hard stuff to go through. But when you look at the life of Christ, uh, the life as a man, and the life is a God. And right now, the life as a man is getting ready to come to the end. And as we continue on this week and, and going into next week, we, we will see the death of the man part of Christ. And uh, But you can never kill him. Scepter Invictus. Mm. Remember that we talked about. Always unvanquished. Always undefeated. <clears throat> always. Nobody can defeat God. It just can't happen. You know, you, there's not enough guns to bring to that gunfight. There's not enough anything. Mm. You just can't do it. Yeah. And, uh I'm so glad we're serving that God. So uh, today's words, and it, it, it's harder to choose the words. It's more difficult as we go through this and look at things. And I chose the world, the words from today's scripture, behold the man. And, uh, you know, just behold the man. Here we are, we're, we're in chapter 19, and uh, they're going to be using the term behold the man. We we see it in the scripture. It says then, and we're going to go to the scripture early. We'll go back and forth with it. We'll do it another time. But it says, then came uh, Jesus forth wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate saith unto them, behold the man. When the chief priests, therefore, and the officers saw him, they cried out, saying, crucify him crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, take ye him and crucify him, for I find no fault in them. So the narrative continues of Jesus' trial. The narrative continues of a fake uh, verdict. The narrative continues of people uh, uh, picturing or pointing him out. The narrative continues uh, that here we have the only sinless person to ever walk the face of the earth, uh, the only gracious person that anybody had ever met that's truly gracious. You know, you can say this guy's gracious, that girl's gracious. I get it. But they're not so gracious that they could have blown away your accuser. They could have blown away the enforcers. They could have blown away the jailer. They could have blown away anyone here, Kevin. But here's this example again of, of God, his graciousness, of, of behold the man. And, yes, his manhood on display versus his godhood. There's no more clarity given to the hypostatic union, that theological term meaning God and man become one. How much God was he? 100%. How much man was he? He was 100%. He he just, you know, it was it was a union that was um that was below the surface you couldn't tell. We beheld his glory, but yet he laid aside his glory. He came from the ivory palaces. He lived among men, yet he 
He, he walked with uh, uh, royal courage wherever he went and with authority to cast out demons. I mean, he was the king of kings, lord of lords. It was on display, but yet his man side was fully on display, and no greater place was on display than in these texts. Um, you know, this is his trauma. This is his, and, and <clears throat> thank God the resurrection is a new look, a new view of post-traumatic stress. And when we go through trauma, <clears throat> we look at the trauma as being this, and we look at the victory or the, like you said, the uh, Semper Invictus. We look at the, uh, that we will always rise up because with him we are united in victory, united in death, crucified with him, risen in victory. But when we're going through trauma <clears throat> in our lives, that trauma should be always kept over against the, the notion that sometimes God wants to show the world that we are human. We are human. And, and how does he do that? By letting us suffer, <laughs> by yeah. letting us hurt. And, you know, <clears throat> unfortunately, a lot of people choke, Doug, at this point. When God wants to display their humanity, they get really defensive, unlike Philippians chapter 2, where Jesus said he, he uh, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. He did not feel like he had to vindicate and defend his divinity. When Pilate said, behold the man, he was saying, uh, look, I am, uh, uh, I'm seeing this man as a fully human. He's starting to die and he is quiet. He is, he, there's something different about him. When God allows you to be put on display, I see it on Facebook. I see, you know, Facebook is a catalog or, or a, uh, a journal people put out there of their own stupidity sometimes. <laughs> That's <laughs> true. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately. And they, they had it, they're, they're saying, man, pray for me. I'm going through trouble, trouble on the job. These people don't realize I'm a Christian. These people, these people hate God. Man, they're after me. I know some people. I'm thinking about someone right now by name. At least the first name is the only name I could think of. But um, she completely dropped that aside. I think she, and it's okay to take yourself off Facebook and stop journaling and, and cataloging your problems. <laughs> but she would say, the world hates Jesus and they hate me too. Everywhere she went, everywhere she went, her, everyone on the job hated her. Everyone in her church hated her. Everyone on the street driving down the road was flipping a finger at her. You know, I'm making some stuff up, but, but you got to start to, you know, you ask yourself, number one, the question is God in this thing and number two are you the guy who is bringing stuff on the bible says let no man suffer as a murderer thief as a busybody uh evildoers busybody in other men's matters but if any man suffer uh, uh, as a christian let him glorify god on this behalf on their part he is evil spoken of on your part he is glorified are you glorifying jesus christ in order to glorify jesus we have to admit there is a time where I'm going to be a spectacle, like Paul said. I made a spectacle unto men and to angels. Why angels? Number one, evil angels are hoping you fall. Number two, good angels are saying, what is keeping this guy going? This is that grace stuff. I don't understand it, but he's still going. And then as far as uh, people watching, let me say this. Yes, God wants to prove, like Jesus, that you really are innocent. Number two, sometimes God wants to boil, bring up the dross out of you. Yeah. 
And there's no better way to win the war than humility. And you're not going to win any favor with people if there is something humanly wrong about you to ignore it or defend it. And uh, the best thing to do is say, you know what, man, I don't know what's happening. My life's going crazy. I know I've repented of everything that I know is wrong and then some. Guess what? When people start to see that's what you're doing, they're going to say, hey, he's like me. And by the way, if you fail, understand, if you fail as a spectacle, it's not a good thing. But if you fail, if you let slip a cuss word, you know, I haven't done that in years. Praise God, decades. But if you let slip with something, and you know what? There is a certain element that God is putting the thumbscrews on you so that what's inside of you can come out to prove to you that you're not as holy as you think. Other people, I've seen it, other people in your failures will look at you and say, um, he's like me. What an encouragement to see that they're human. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> Boy, you you know, you, you struck a chord with that whole Facebook thing, you know, and what's the deal of these women taking pictures at a mirror in their in their bedroom or in the bathroom in front of a dirty bedroom, unmade bed or bathroom toilets. Come on, man. You know, if you're going to win any boys that way, be clean, man. I, I'm telling you, man, it's, 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 uh, it, you know, the army side comes out of me and I want to start screaming orders. You know, let me tell you something. If a person gets up and they don't make their bed in a day, there's something wrong with them. I'm just going to tell you that right now. There's a laziness that permeates that. You, and, and if that's you, it's okay. It goes away. The army got it out of me. You know, <laughs> I mean, I, I can't walk out of a room. It's like the, uh, it's like the pressure of my army days, throw me on the floor, but there's things going on here at this crucifixion, the sacrificial love that Christ is given, boy. I'm telling you, it's we're seeing that. This is a lesson we're going to learn from this crucifixion. His victory over these beatings, his victory over the death. You know, Kevin, there's a victory going on here in the middle of all this pain. There's a victory. You know, Admiral Stockholm, I've mentioned him before. He was supposedly the vice presidential candidate for Ross Perot back in the day who stole the election uh, yeah. from George H.W. Bush. And, yeah. and uh, you know, that guy got beat, had every bone broken in his body, was upside down. And they, they said to him, you know, he refused to leave. He was there the entire time, the highest-ranking yep. person in the Hanoi, Hanoi Hilton. Read the book about him. It's going to mess you up, folks. And the enemy would say to him, why don't you just die? Why don't you just give up? Why don't you just go home and let us exchange? Why don't you do something? And he said, my Savior went through so much worse than this. Uh, this is about my savior. It's about my honor. It's about my country. And I'm going to do the right thing. People want to make John McCain a hero. He was, but he was nowhere near this admiral. And uh, folks, I'll tell you, if you get a chance, read that. Hey, we'll be right back with you. Doug will return shortly. Meanwhile, you're hearing this music while radio stations are identifying themselves and broadcasting advertisements.
So friends, as we continue on with the life of Christ, I've already read this once. We're finding ourselves in chapter 19 of the book of John, verses 5 and 6. And then came Jesus forth. He's wearing that crown of thorns, folks, in the purple robe. And and uh, and Pilate saith unto him, Behold the man. He's just exactly what Kevin was saying, the humanity of Jesus Christ, the human side, 100% man. When the chief, therefore, uh, when the chief priest, therefore, and officers saw him, they cried out saying, crucify him, crucify him. Now, these are the chief priests. So they were known to be religious at the day to follow every law and every rule in the Bible. And here they are crucifying the Savior that was called for in that Bible. And I'll, I'll tell you, folks, that kind of messes you up. Mm-hmm. Pilate saith unto them, take ye him and crucify him, for I find no fault in them. And that crown of thorns, just the mention of that, it, it's so hard for me. Uh, over and over again to hear that here these thorns are sticking in our Lord's head. He's a hundred percent man and a hundred percent God, so he's feeling the emotional, physical yep. pain. He's enduring that. All that it's representing more suffering than mocking him. Can you imagine putting a purple robe on him that literally at this time was illegal unless you were a member of the royal family because people would who had enough money would buy purple and say, man, I'm a prince to the prince. You know, I'm Pharaoh 16 times removed. Now marry me. And uh, so it was actually you had to be in royalty to wear purple. And it was Mm. so expensive. Most people couldn't afford it. And then these religious authorities and folks, you know, we warn about this. We talk about this and, and I know, and, and, and this is a harder subject for Kevin and I to cover that probably than anything else we ever covered, but religion isn't going to get you a thing. These religious people sometimes get so steeped in their own religion, their own rhetoric, their own, uh, you know, theories on life. Remember what religion is, is man's attempt to provide salvation. It's man's attempt to provide a way to heaven. To, and, and, you know, it eases God out. It pushes God out of the picture. We see that with the social gospel in the 1900s. Remember that, I mean, honestly, there were many religions that were really great come the turn of the century, and a bunch of them just blew it off. Just, uh, we're going to have a social gospel. You send them to our church. We'll give you better workers. We'll tell them how important it is they work hard. And, uh, and, and, and you know, Pilate again. You know, he's reluctant to do things, but here he is selling this guy out. And if we're not careful, Kevin, and I know we're practically always, I'm trying to spin this back to current day, uh, but if we're not careful, we'll let the crowd win out. If we're not careful, we'll, we'll do the wrong thing. If we're not careful, we'll just look the other way. So true. So true. You mentioned um, the, the religious crowd and what they do, and there are so many bad players here, but... I got thinking about this. Um, Jesus Christ, as a man, handled this so well to prove that, number one, he is sinless, and number two, there is a a higher road. There's a better path to take through suffering. Um, And then I also got thinking this about the religious crowd. I I don't know why. This stuck in my mind as something that, that hit me a while back impeccability. We believe in the impeccability of Christ, but I also know the semantic evil that has been done amongst good brethren over that thing. And what I mean is this, and I've never heard it addressed this way, and so I just want to say this just to say it. Jesus, you know, there's an argument, could Jesus Christ have sinned? There are good men that say, yes, because he was tempted. There are good men that say, no way, because he was God. 
And, and it's a semantic argument. Stop using the word could and define it. Could means it has two meanings at least. Number one is, is capable of, and number two is, is allowed to. Okay, my son, my little boy, uh, he could cross the road when he turned five, you know, or something like that. Uh, yes, he was. He could, meaning he was allowed to. Now, when we're talking about is he capable of, he's capable to do it when he's three. Jesus Christ was allowed to sin in that that's what temptation is. God gave him the choice, but he was good God material. He was sinless. He was not capable of sinning. So could he sin? No, he could not sin. He was God. Amen. Was he given the choice? Yes, he was. Could, could, you know, in this situation, could he have sinned? Yeah, he was tempted. But could he have sinned? No, he was incapable of it. So I have been in the midst of that argument between some brother, and I had to go away thinking they're both right. So what, what's the problem here? It's a semantic thing. There's their definition of could. One is taking one definition, one's taking another. And that's what religion does. Religion gets us hung up. The Bible says uh, strife about words. So you Better get your definitions if you're going to split with somebody. Anyway, brother, just what you said is so uh, so true. We're we're looking at a savior here that is walking through the ultimate suffering, and he's just like, you know what, guys, everything, you know, whatever you think about me, we're about to prove that it's right because I'm about to take your sin and mine. I mean, and their sin and not mine, as opposed to mine, and I'm going to pay the price and come back to prove it. Yeah, and you know, one of the things that's catching me, Kevin, I appreciate uh, the impeccable statement there of his characters without sin, his characters <clears throat> without blemish. Yeah. And uh, and I, I appreciate you talking about that. And you know, one of the things that's striking me too, Kevin, is I, I'm sitting here, I'm thinking to myself, it was is where Christ died. Mm-hmm. You know, with the marginalized, with the prisoners, with the on the bad side of town, with the bad people, where we send our Roman governor that we we don't want any more in Rome because he's a knucklehead, you know. He's not. Yeah. He's a. He's an endless job. There's no promotion after this. This is. This is as high as he gets. So he's going to do what he's told. He doesn't want to, uh, you know, shake things up. And but here's Christ with the marginalized. You know, people all the time equate Christianity with highbrow, high income. Uh, we hear it in politics, right? I was watching TV the other day, and someone was uh, uh, on on regular TV was making an excuse on why the Iowa turned out the way it did, and they made the statement: "It's because of white Christians, because white Christians have everything, uh, and they don't want to lose it." And I was thinking about it: white Christians don't have anything. Have you been mm-hmm. around this world? <laughs> we got to stop judging white, black, white, yellow. Yep. How's that song go? Yellow, red, no. red, red, red yellow, yellow, black, and white. They are precious, precious in his sight. Yeah, yeah. And, and but but Christ doesn't care what color you are. Doesn't care where you're Sweet from. Man. And and Christians, you know, we've got a responsibility. I was thinking, uh, Kevin, and in, in, in my mind, you know, we as Christians find ourselves in compromising situations on a regular basis, and many of us flee. We say, man, I don't want to be driving in this side of town, or I don't want to be hanging out with this crowd. Our Savior, mm. he didn't flee, brother. Wow. Wow. <laughs> that You know, you just gave me a great thought. I mean, it's, you just illustrated Jesus Christ's impeccability because 
God slipped his son into human flesh with opportunity to sin, knowing that he wouldn't because he was impeccable. It would be like if I wanted to prove to the world that my son was the best driver and the safest driver in the world. Let's just say I bought him a mid-engine Corvette, a C6 or whatever it is, Corvette, and it's capable of 200 miles an hour. If he gets in that wheel, and let's say I want to prove how he is the most law-abiding person in the world, I put him in the car that's capable of 200 miles per hour or 180 miles per hour or whatever and put him downtown where the speed limit is 25. Does he have the opportunity to drive 200 through town? Yes, but we know, I know, I, he is, he's the best driver in the world. He's the safest driver in the world. He's the most law-abiding driver in the world. He drives that thing 25 miles per hour through town and shows to the world the supremacy of, of, uh, of my son, as it were, and also shows how great the Corvette is, by the way, because he's confident. He's not afraid of anything. He's driving a vet. But in that security, we can walk with Jesus Christ through our trauma and say, you know what? I could call 10,000 angels. God could get me out of this, but he's given me the opportunity to do right. Boy, and that's that's all been said. We are so honored you tuned us in today. We're going to continue on tomorrow. We're going to be looking at Christ's divine sovereignty and what that means to us and going through the scriptures. We love you guys. Thank you for listening to our broadcast. At Help for Wounded Spirits, we believe the Bible and place great importance on you having a personal relationship with your Lord and Savior. The Bible delivers a clear and simple message of salvation, outlining how you can begin your personal relationship now. First, recognize that you are a sinner, as all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Second, understand that there is a cost to our sin as the wages of sin is death. Third, realize that Jesus alone paid that price. To receive salvation, simply ask the Lord to save you in Jesus' name while believing in your heart that He alone can save you, and He will. If we can help you with your salvation or to direct you to a local church, please do not hesitate to contact us. For additional helpful resources, including our new TV series, more information, or to donate and support this crucial ministry, please visit us at WoundedSpirits.com. May God bless you.